thanks so much for joining me, man. And uh, we're uh, grateful for what you've done here at Glockman. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. And um, the last 22 years with Glockner, for anybody that's interested, it has been a wonderful ride for 22 years. Uh, I couldn't expect any more and receive any more love and appreciation than the Glockner family. My uh, favorite thing that Andy Glockner has ever told me, just relating to like how he thinks they've been successful here, is just surround yourself with good people. New Local Legends Podcast. <laughs> Real small town success stories. We have quite the lineups. to the speakeasy the amount of love and compassion the hope that's been bubbling up in the last few years the finer things about portland you just don't see that everywhere local legends only Welcome back to the Local Legends Podcast. This is episode 48, and I'm in the Glockner Speakeasy with a longtime employee, Bill Bloss. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much for making the drive down, my man. Why don't you just start by introducing yourself and what you do? Hi, this is uh, Bill Bloss, and I'm uh, currently retiring from uh, the Glockner Oil Company in Piketon, Ohio. This is, yeah, your very last day, correct? Monday will be my final day. Wow. This is, Monday will be the final day after 22 years with Glockner Oil Company. Mm. Well, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to join us and tell your story, Bill. I think it's important that people coming up in the ranks and maybe just starting their journey with Glockner or a couple years in, midway, whatever, that uh, they get to hear your experience and how you succeeded here. Well, it's... It's kind of a fairy tale story. I don't know where you want me to start from. Start with Glockner's or start how I. Uh, what, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you grew up uh, and like, uh, just go from there? All right. I, uh, I'm a farm boy. I grew up on a farm in southeast Nebraska in a little town of uh, Pawnee City. And by the way, there's only one Pawnee City in the whole United States. But grew up in Pawnee City on a farm. And. Uh, after graduation from high school, I uh, done uh, road construction, driving heavy equipment for a couple of years, and uh, the construction business not being a very stable. I mean, you're laid off in the winter time and you work in the summertime when it wasn't raining and everything else that can curtail construction. Hmm. I was going to get married and decided that. Uh, that part-time, full-time construction work wasn't going to feed a family, so went to a town of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, the capital of uh, Nebraska, and went to work at a uh, at a tire store, a BF Goodrich tire store, and um, 
I mean, while that was, it was fun and learning experience, it was something I knew I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. And, uh, so I went across town to a, another tire company. It was called okay tire and rubber. Okay. Tire stores were known for, uh, rebuilding tires and recapping tires. And, uh, they had a, uh, had a new tire line that this owner of this particular tire store was wanting to get out. He wanted to be a distributor. And I worked behind a counter for like six months or something like that. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to go out on the road and sell uh, sell tires. And I said, sure. So he buys me a, a new pickup truck and sends me out on the road selling tires. And uh, one of the accounts was another tire distributor or another tire dealer that I was calling on and um, I ran into several times the uh, the okay tire sales rep mm. and uh, in the back of my mind I'm thinking you know that's what I'd like to be someday as one of them traveling salesmen where I didn't have to load tires on a pickup truck deliver and unload and all that sort of stuff and uh, lo and behold uh, now I knew him for a year or so, and uh, seen him at lunch one time, and he says, uh, "Why don't you and I go to lunch?" And well, I, okay, that's fine. So at lunch, he's like, "Bill, they're uh, they're promoting me to a regional manager, and uh, would you want to do my job?" And well, it's, after all, that's kind of what I've been looking at and wanting to do. I said, "Provided the money is right." Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd take a swing at it. So, uh, <clears throat> everything turned out to be good. The, uh, home office for okay. Tire and rubber company was in Ashland, Kentucky. So I think I was probably with the tire, the okay. Tire and rubber company out of Ashland, Kentucky, or yeah, Ashland, Kentucky for, oh, about three years or so. And, uh, was it, Bill, Bill, let me uh, interrupt just for a second. So sure. when you are coming from your background in Nebraska or your hometown there and then moving to Ashland, Kentucky, was there much of a culture shock or people did things differently or what was your initial assessment of the area? Uh, it was a total culture change. Uh, it seemed like where we grew up, it was uh, uh, just a different atmosphere, a, a rush atmosphere type thing. And when we moved to uh, Ashland, Kentucky, um, it was more laid back. I mean, people were laid back. Ashland Oil uh, was laid back. Um, <laughs> I remember I went to, well, I was in sales in Nebraska and come out to Ashland, Kentucky, and they put me in corporate purchasing. And uh, my boss at that time, it was like, what do we do for entertainment? And back 35 years ago, Ashland, Kentucky was a dry town. There was no alcohol in the city. It was, it was kind of dry and boring. <laughs> he says, well, and he was had a laid back Kentucky draw. He said, well, on a Saturday night, we'll go to town and we'll go to the laundromat and we'll watch clothes go around in the dryer. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And, uh, so, um, I was in the purchasing department of, uh, of Ashland running the tire end of the purchasing when they kind of uh, combined that with another department 
and uh, selected me to run the Ashland fleet of cars. Mm. And at that time, Ashland had probably 3,000 cars around the country from New York to California, Texas to Canada. And it was, um, it was my job to monitor those cars. And we probably traded 1,000 cars a year or something like that. So that was, that was the job I had. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, tell us about your, um, from there, how things progressed, how you maybe, um, did you meet someone that was a part of the Glockner team or how did you end up making that lateral move to the organization here? Being with the Ashland fleet had the opportunity to do, and I always kind of believed in doing as much business locally as we could. Mm. And, uh, was dealing with, uh, Glockner here in Portsmouth, Glockner Chevrolet, and then we had uh, other employees of Ashland that wanted to buy a Honda or a Toyota. And I would call Andy Glockner. That's the only name I knew. I would call Andy oh, Glockner. Wow. And he'd send me down to the manager of the, uh, of the Toyota store and get them hooked up. And then I backed away from it. And I'd never, I'd never met Andy. But uh, Marathon purchased Ashland. And wanted to know if I wanted to, you know, stay with the new organization. And I would be moving to Finley, Ohio. Mm. And um, we had just built a new house a year ahead of that time or somewhere thereabouts. And I was kind of like, no, I I really don't want to go to Finley because I know what happens. Um, in a year, I'll, I'll be like the rest of them. I'll probably be gone. Right. And I'll fish out of water. I think I'll stay right here. So I uh, had an opportunity to retire from Ashland, which I did. And then I was up here in Portsmouth at the Glockner dealership having some warranty work done on a, uh, on a vehicle. And I said, you know, I've never met Andy Glockner. Uh, where's, where's his office? And it was like right above the service area. So they directed me up and I went up and introduced myself to Andy told him I had retired. He says, you're too young to retire. <laughs> and, uh, said we could use, we could probably use you. And he called, uh, Rick Puckett. I got introduced to Rick Puckett and began a career 22 years ago with, uh, Rick Puckett and Glockner oil company. Uh, can I ask Bill, how old were you, uh, upon your retirement with Ashland and having that conversation with Andy? I was 58 at the time that I had retired from uh, Ashland Oil, and uh, like Andy said, you're too young to retire. So, <laughs> and I had to agree. That's that's quite a few years ago. That's amazing, Bill. So uh, that's cool. Just out of that conversation, all the opportunity that arise. Were you looking for something like that at all, or what was kind of your state of mind? Well, at the age of 58, obviously I was too young to retire, too young to hang it up. Still had my youngest son in college. Mm. And, um, so yeah, I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was looking for another job. Um, and throughout the thing is throughout my life, uh, when I did change from, from one tire store to another, it was in the hopes of doing something better. I was career minded, but I was trying to better myself at the same time. Mm. And, uh, this presented itself to uh, the oil company, I accepted it, and 22 years later, here we are. Or let, let's continue with the storyline. So you, so uh, I'm guessing you <laughs> met Rick Puckett, right? 
He, what? I said you met Rick Puckett was yes, kind of the next yeah, step. Yeah, that was the first time I met him. And uh, what was he asking you to do at the time? Well, he wanted to, he was needing at that time somebody to like a, uh, we'll call it a sales manager. He had sales mm-hmm. people on the road and um, trying to handle it himself, the sales and the operations of the company, and asked me if I would want to be a sales manager over overseeing the sales process. And obviously, it's another career enhancement. So, yes, I did. I, would, I took it. And uh, uh, obviously, saw, Rick saw that talent in you. What do you think uh, was the were some of the keys to success in rural America? How do you sell someone uh, like in this area, this demographic? Well, I think the basic theory in sales is uh, knowing people, being able to communicate with people. Let them know that you are sincere in your relationship with them and uh, doing for the customer maybe what somebody else won't do. Mm. And it solidifies that relationship. And the relationship is what keeps you in in that customer's place of business. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that. Especially you think that's amplified in places like... um, in places like we live, like these more rural environments... Uh, maybe the relationship's a little bit more important than if someone has like a bunch of options necessarily. Well, I think uh, anywhere, when, if if we're in a city of or state of like New York, they are run and gun uh, there for what they can do, the, what you can do for them at the time, and then they forget about you. Relationships in the Midwest, which I think Ohio's still in part of the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, relationships are the key to your success. Take care of the customer, and they will take care of you. The relationship with your vendor determines how the vendor is going to react to you. Mm. I became the vendor, the salesman, so it's my responsibility to understand the customer's needs, fill those needs, and then follow up with whatever happens down the road with a question or a problem or whatever. Mm. Uh, What were your first impressions of people like Ebb? Uh, when I first met Eb, I uh, I was marvelled with Eb. Um, my dad and my, several of my uncles were in World War II. Mm. I had two of those uncles that were pilots, as Eb was a pilot in World War II, and just loved him telling me stories or different things that happened to him. And Eb was a uh, he was a marvelous man. Uh, I admired him a lot, and uh, of course that followed down through with with Andy, uh, admire him and, and now the, the boys, you know, Tim and Mike and Joe, uh, they're all great, great people to be associated with and mm. had to do this over again. I'd, I'd do it all over again. Cause it's been, <laughs> it's been a uh, real good ride. That's wonderful to hear. Bill. Uh, yeah, it really is amazing what their families accomplished, which is like, you know, uh, there's a lot of businesses that are profitable and succeed, but like very few businesses that uh, are multi multi generation past like three generations. You know, even that's a difficult thing to accomplish. But the sixth generation multi generational business is like um, I'm just like really impressed and enamored with how they've passed down their val- values from generation to generation. How Ebb was able to influence uh 
the people or like his relatives and family and the people coming up in the ranks in like a really positive way, you know, uh, how do you think, what did, did you see any of that and maybe get like an inkling of how they've accomplished what they've built here? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you watch through their daily life and you understand. And, um, even before I knew the Glockners and when I was a young fellow starting out in his life, um, the thing I understood was, you're responsible to yourself, you're responsible to God and the community. Mm. And uh, if you take care of those three things, it'll come back and take care of you. And uh, the responsibility, it goes beyond just, I think, having a job. Um, uh, you can get a job anywhere, but behind that should be or could be a career. But ultimately, it's the responsibility, like I said, to yourself, your community, and to God. Yeah, you're you're touching on something uh, really important there, Bill. Just um, maybe it goes back to what you were saying about your relationships with your customer base. Like, you know, there's not like oftentimes an immediate reward uh, to investing in your family or in relationships. You know, uh, but it's like uh, that long term relationship costs and doing those important things that may seem like be viewed by many as like an inconvenience, you know, to their job or things like that. But because, uh, and you can see it in the reflection and the Glockners and people like, uh, yourself, Bill, that, that long-term, uh, commitment to doing the right thing actually reaps a giant reward, you know? That's exactly right. And to, uh, to follow somebody that, that is a, a pillar in the community, um, one person myself i can't i can't you know live to suffer all the problems and consequences you learn from watching others mm. i mean their their uh, actions what led them to success and uh, you pattern yourself after a leader and after a pillar in the community and try to achieve equally as they did mm. When you mentioned your conversation with Andy Glockner, you said you were trying to, you know, advance in business and in a career, but you were also working on yourself at the same time. And I like that you said that because they're connected, you know? Yes, exactly. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I don't know how to elaborate on that, but um, in the conversation with, with Andy, the first conversation when I met him, it was like, you know, what do you want? How are you expecting? What do you want to do? And it is... Um, I viewed if, I, if if by chance I got the opportunity to go to work for Glockner's and it turned out I did a Glockner oil company, I have a responsibility that, like I said, beyond myself, it's to the Glockner oil company and the Glockner family. And um, to me, that is a very important relationship that I represent the family and the company I'm working for mm -hmm. like I would want to be represented out there. It's... it's um, it's a complete package right there. I think what you're conveying is that you took responsibility uh, of your role and really took ownership of the organization. Like that you were you were not just like an employee, but almost uh, like a, a partner in what they're doing here. Well, uh, yes. And I think that's what separates a lot of uh, a lot of employees and or people in this world. Uh, if I had addressed Glockner Oil Company as just a job, that's probably what it would have been, and I might have lasted a few years and been gone because they would have lost interest in me. I would have lost interest in them, mm. uh, and it could have come to an end. But 
that was my life. That was my career. And I'd done my very best every day to make sure that I'd done what was expected of me and went beyond what was expected of me. Mm. And uh, you, you, you put yourself into the role of being a part of the organization, not just a job. Mm. Well said, Bill. How do you how, how have you seen your organization and just Glockner in general evolve uh, since you've been there? Are there any like memorable projects that you were involved in, things that you felt like helped build the business and move things forward? Uh, certainly, the um, uh, I think one of some of the bigger ones are like uh, some of our accounts where we have uh, the installation of uh, of oil handling products at tanks, the pumps, the reels, mm. oil guns. Um, where I was at, I am specifically helping a customer to, to get him what he needs, but not oversupply mm. what he does need. He doesn't need a 500-gallon uh, bulk tank to, draw, to pour 50 gallons of oil a year. You, know, you, you buy it in a drum. Mm. He may wish to have the drum, the 500 gallon tank, but you explain to him and show him, you know, there is a reason for bidding tanks that size and, and, uh, the volume and all that stuff that's related. It all comes together. Mm. But yeah. Uh, anything else you're thinking when you're thinking of projects, uh, that you were involved in at Glockner, you know, how have you th seen things change? Uh, yeah, things have changed in that respect. Um, there was a time when I first started at Glockner's that uh, if we um, if we uh, picked up a new account, a trucking company, and he needed uh, various tanks and various whatever, uh, back in the day, uh, the oil companies, if you could if you could get them on Shell products, you put in the equipment, and Shell would pay for the equipment. Mm. So that was pretty much an you know a no brainer. You just go ahead and put it in. The oil companies, through their own greed or whatever, uh, they were doing less and less of the supplying of the equipment. Mm. So the perception there is, do we continue to, uh, to supply that e level of equipment at the Glockner Oil Company expense? Somebody's got to pay for it. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of evolved from us doing all that for free to where we put it into the customer and they pay us for it at the time of the installation. Mm -hmm. That is, um, doesn't maybe doesn't sound like much, but that is a huge conversion from, and you're talking several thousand dollars worth of free equipment to the customer versus you paying for several right. thousand dollars. Well, going through that transition, maybe this is part of that, uh, like a relational teaching moment, Bill. Um, how, how are you explaining to them this additional cost and, keeping that relationship strong even through something like that where all of a sudden you know you're having to pay like these additional they're having to pay these additional costs well i think in a very simplized uh format um my way of presentation was to the customers look um here's what i see we put in all this new equipment several thousand dollars and it takes us a period of years, several years, to pay for that through depreciation and whatever. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, maybe you get tired of looking at me. Maybe you think I messed you over 
or you get tired of gloggers, whatever reason, you throw us out. And then we've got that equipment issue. We've got to pick up the equipment, and you're hanging here with no oil, no grease, until you can find somebody else that will come in and replace it. My idea is it's your shop. Uh, you purchase the equipment, and we'll, we'll set it up so that you can pay for it over a period of time, a year or whatever you want. But then you get tired of looking at me or think we messed you up or whatever happens, you throw us out. All you have to do is call another supplier and he's filling your tanks. Nothing changes for you, wow. which I think is a huge benefit. But you got to sell the guy on that one. Yeah. Well, and, well, that is like a, an excellent proposal, actually, Bill. Exactly. That, uh, just to just to make them aware of the ownership, because I'm sure initially everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know? Yeah. So no, I'm not going to buy it because old Fred down the road here, he he's trying to get in here too, and he'll put it in for free. Is there, sir? There are no free lunches. Somewhere, somebody is paying for it. And you know as well as I do, the customers, the end of the road, you're paying for it. Mm. I don't know how it's camouflaged, but you're <laughs> paying for it. Yeah, Bill. Uh, I really like that. You, that's a, that is a clinic on sales right there, my man. That's good um, stuff. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, just uh, another thought I had for you. Um, you know, the, the purpose of the podcast here is to tell small town success stories. And people like you are at the forefront of what we're trying to do, Bill, that here you are like – um, moving from <laughs> like your hometown across the country to a small town, you know, rural America and being exponentially successful. I mean, a long-term career um, where you made something for your family, put your kids through school. Um, and that's like the exact uh, kind of people that we want to highlight with this bill. So uh, do you have anything else like looking back on your career? Um, what can you say about uh, what's helped you be successful and, um, like, what kind of advice do you have for people that are that are trying to accomplish the same thing, you know, like prospering in rural America? Well, I think, uh, and that's what I've done, and not saying it's right or wrong, but that's what I've done. If there's something that I see, like when I was in the tire store and I saw the salesman come in and do his little thing and get back in his company car and drive off down the road, I knew that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be one of those guys. You find a way and you work your way, and, and, and I'm lucky because I drew a, a, built a relationship with that salesman who then asked me to replace him as mm -hmm. a salesman. But set your sights uh, and then go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not too much going to come to you in this world. you got to go after it. But uh, keep your nose clean. And work hard, and I think things will come your way. Dirty hands, clean money, man. I think that's <laughs> that's something like that. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I, I I like what you're touching on, Bill, which is essentially like um, just the relational aspect of all of this. Like a lot of business uh, that that uh, show Mad Men. I love when Roger says a lot of business just comes down to I don't like that guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it it really does come down to. Uh, like building a common interest with the people around you and showing that you're a, a friend and have their best interest at heart as a customer or, or a, a coworker. Well, it's yeah. It, it, what you're talking about relates right back to that equipment story. We were just talking about you show as a salesperson, you show the benefit to the customer why we're asking you to do this. Mm. And if you believe 
what you're telling me. It's just not something you're coming up with, some kind of a crap story. But if you believe that it's right for him and you relay that conversation to him, mm. he believes and he will do what you're asking. Yeah, and I, and I hope that's uh, what we continue to accomplish at Glockner, Bill, is uh, you know, they have this amazing, rich history of people that put relationships first that were servants of the community and uh, had the best interest of their, um, their employees and customers at heart. And uh, that's what we want to continue moving forward. A lot of a lot of car dealers, a lot of people in business are, uh, you know, kind of come off like they're trying to, I think, manipulate their customer base into buying something. But um, we want to be an alternate or the complete opposite of that narrative, and instead, like, invite people to be a part of what we're doing and show them like our success is your success, and we're a part of the same community, the same narrative, and we're on the same team. Exactly, and then. Um... Um, maybe it's a lesson along that line. When we made that move from uh, Nebraska to Ashland, Kentucky, uh, Ashland Oil referred us to a real estate agent. Obviously, you got to have somebody find you a home. And he's showing us, you know, everything that's – we had a real estate book and looking through there said, man, it's going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, hey, we got this in the handle. <laughs> Pick out two or three houses and – He's like shaking his head, said, no, no, I don't think so. So we drive to one of them, and as we're going to it, he says, uh, roll down your window. And you roll down the window, and there's water running down the creek or down the degrader ditch. He said, that's not water, that's sewer. <laughs> and you don't want to be in this community, I mean, because it's open, I mean, it's whatever. So he's showing us different things, kind of getting us acclimated to where we're going to trust what he ends up showing us. And one comment he made when in his efforts to sell us a house, he said, I can sell you a house tomorrow, but I don't want to do that. I want to sell you a home that in five years, when you see me on the street, you can still thank me for that house. Well, wow. it isn't like there's that son of a gun that sold us a shack. That's nothing but trouble. <laughs> you know, it's, and that taking care of that customer is the key to the whole thing. Mm. Bill, let me ask you, man, what are you excited about in retirement? Well, I um, we've talked about that at the house, and it's like uh, it's coming to a chapter in my life where we uh, turn the page, and I don't know what's written on the other page. I don't know yet. But uh, the fact that I think uh, <laughs> right now is it's going to be exciting for me when it's when, when it's 10 degrees outside and snowing and blowing that I don't have to get out in that tomorrow morning and travel. I don't have to do that. And the cold weather, I'm, you know, it's just going to be indoors for a period of time. And then spring will open up and there's plenty of work to do. But I think um, I've done this stuff for 55, 56 years. And um, I think it's time now for uh, while we're in good health for me and my wife just to get out and do some traveling or do something that we want to do instead of and that's all i've done in my life pursuing this career that we've been talking about i don't hunt don't fish don't golf and none of that i don't i don't have any hobbies because work has been my hobby and, and mm -hmm. i enjoy and i love what i'm doing and it's rewarded me to where you know you continue to love what you're doing well yeah, Bill. Uh, well, you've certainly earned it, man. Uh, and I, I'm confident that uh, with the quiet man action that you are, when uh, when you do flip this new chapter and you stare at a blank page, you're gonna you're gonna write something cool, man, for sure. Well, 
I expect to uh, enjoy the next chapter. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thanks so much for joining me, man. And um, we're uh, grateful for what you've done here at Glockner. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. And um, the last 22 years with Glockner, for anybody that's interested, it has been a wonderful ride for 22 years. Uh, I couldn't expect any more and receive any more love and appreciation than the Glockner family. My uh, favorite thing that Andy Glockner has ever told me is just relating to like how he thinks they've been successful here is just surround yourself with good people. Exactly, 100%. That's what I said. You look for the pillar in the community that you want to pattern yourself after. Mm. Look for somebody that's going to take you down a proven path versus something just some unknown path that you don't want to travel <laughs> or wish you hadn't got on that road when you know better in the first place. Sure. Well, we got, we got your truck loaded up with Bernie G. You're set for at least a week here, Bill. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Dive in the pond.